Hello and welcome to Gloss Over, a podcast for creators, artists, entrepreneurs, spirit seekers, beauty lovers, and bosses. We're taking a deep dive into topics that we just can't gloss over. Welcome back to a gloss over podcast. I'm your host, Megan Whalen, makeup artist, entrepreneur, and beauty professional. And I'm Caroline Trudeau. I'm a digital consultant and entrepreneur and the creator of thevoicescollection.com. On the pod today, the topic is beauty standards. So Megan, what comes to mind? What is your immediate reaction when we introduce a topic like beauty standards? My immediate reaction is recalling your comment. I don't remember who said it because at some point I feel like our ideas just sort of merge into one consciousness. (laughs) We're badass that way. (laughs) Um, But someone said, I thought it was you. You're like, beauty standards, BS, bullshit. Like, no wonder it's... You know, the acronym is BS, and I completely agree. Like, it's totally stupid. You said even the thought of... Even the the, the term beauty standard is so dumb. Together, it's sort of an oxymoron. It's so stupid. Like, who can standardize that? Who who, who are they? Like, the they that says this is beautiful and this isn't? And these are the standards? Are they men? I don't know. Is it corporate America? Like, are they women? Who? I don't know. What are the standards? Size four, white woman. Is that a standard? I think it is a standard. Watch TV. Yeah. Although the Kardashians are a standard now. Although I have so no, the standard. I have no size four friends. I mean, I do have some size four friends, but like. My entourage is so diverse and so, you know, from petite to not to size four to size 20. Right. Um, It's hard for me in my real life to relate to standards, beauty standards, because beauty does not really have, you know, a shape and a size. It, It sort of is a state of being, isn't it? It should be a state of being, I think. I think... You know, unfortunately, you're in a, we are in a society where we are selling goods and services based on how people look. And it's the marketing machine. It's, well, you can speak to that, specifically like the corporate marketing, you know, the sexy side of marketing and how to mm-hmm. sell shit. And I can speak to the part where if I'm a beauty professional who's trying to outfit her first freelancing kit and I can't really find shades for women of color to put in my bag to best serve my clients. Or when you go to beauty school and you don't learn how to deal with skin tones that are above a certain, a certain darkness. You just don't learn how to do that. Where is that? Who's writing this book? Who's, who, who is, who's doing this? I desperately want to know. I need to know who's doing it. I need to know. Because it needs to change. And specifically on the beauty end of the spectrum and marketing and things, I'm seeing a little bit of a shift. Yeah. Finally, after long last, um, there's a CoverGirl commercial. The actress is beautiful. She's African-American. She has vitiligo. And basically the commercial is that she's, her spots she's just embracing it and using two different color foundations to do that 
And I thought that was really beautiful. Like that commercial almost brought me to tears because I saw this and I was finally like, thank you. Yeah. Someone's putting a beautiful African-American woman with a skin condition on the television set. Yeah. Amen. Thank is, God. Is there, do you think there's sort of a shift happening in what we're seeing in the media, what we're seeing in advertising, what we're seeing um, just in the industry overall? Because I, you know, I'm an, an external person to the industry, but I am aware of it and I'm interested in it. And I've been seeing a lot of, and maybe I'm just strained for that now, but I've, I've been seeing a lot of different messages. So uh, one that comes to mind is uh, Lancome mm-hmm. rehiring mm-hmm. Isabella Rossellini. Oh my God. Yeah, several I mean, years after, you know, they essentially fired her when she was 40 because she was too old. I remember when that happened. Me too. And I remember at the time, like this was before I was in this industry, being so pissed off. Yeah. Like... How can you fire her? She's iconic. Yeah. You are showing your true self. Yeah. I also, you know, I also see uh, May Musk, Elon Elon Musk's mom is everywhere. Right. In her whole, you know, in her grandeur and her beauty of being 70, uh, which is sort of, you know, a different messaging coming from brands that have traditionally sort of catered to that mainstream, Absolutely. you know, mi- upper middle class, totally. higher class, more income, you know, where, do, where does all this come from? I think it comes from, you know, the marketing machines, the makers of these products that want to push as much of it as possible, not want to sell as much as, of it as possible. But like we talked about when we first met, there's a shift of sort mm-hmm. happening in the industry and it's coming from the bottom up as opposed to the top Absolutely. down. Absolutely. So brands like Glossier that are born digital and that are starting with very few products that are actually listening to what their customers right. want in order to cater specifically to them, you know, it's it's sort of... There's a big shift happening. Can I we feel. talk about Rihanna and Fenty Beauty for oh, a minute? Oh, please. Yes. Like, that was groundbreaking. Right. For so many reasons. And the products are gorgeous. And she saw a need in the marketplace for really good quality, highly pigmented, accurate color choices for women of color. And that's definitely a hole that the industry needed. And she filled it. And... I'm a big fan of that. Huge fan of that. She's going gangbusters with that. Like, it's super successful. I can't find it in my local Sephora. It's always sold out. Yeah. Whatever they carry, it's gone all the time. Yeah, she's killing it. And also, there was the L'Oreal campaign, I think, with Helen Mirren. She came back with it because I'm still worth it. And I'm like, bitch, yes, you are still worth it. You totally are still worth it. But it's... There's a UK skincare blogger vlogger she's a beauty journalist that i follow and i would follow her into the depths of hell her name's caroline hirons she's cool she's known as the hirons she is no bullshit she's she's like my fairy godmother that i've never met um it's true she often talks about the enormous gap in the market for women who have who are of a certain age who have income to spend on skincare and beauty and makeup and they're looking at things like tart with their mermaid mm. seashell palettes and like um that doesn't appeal to everyone i get it that you have to appeal to you have to speak to your audience but there's sort of an undiscovered audience of 
women, men, perhaps yes. even. Mature women, men. Who are not going to be necessarily thrilled with the brush kit that has rhinestones and hearts and love or a product that is like super glittery or unicorn horn yeah brush handles yeah Why? that's not it i don't know somebody's buying it and that's great and i think you know the other thing too is like the youtube influence has definitely there's been good youtube influence for instance the hirons has a youtube channel so she vlogs about her skincare hauls her recommendations she's also an esthetician she's just a real she knows everything She's like the godmother of skin. She's amazing. Um, and so YouTube's done real, really good for us. And then they've also kind of not, they've, the disservice is that brands are catering to the influencer, not the professional makeup artist, not necessarily the end user because they're, they're giving the influencer so much leverage. And I will say YouTube influencers probably push a huge number of units. Like I absolutely, I mean, with their discount codes and all that, all that, all that success they're having is quantifiable, right? Like if people put in the discount code, they can see how many units these YouTubers are pushing. Yeah. But you know, not everybody does makeup like a YouTuber and nor should they. And the contouring trend that's, we've all got to be thinner and contoured and I hate to break it to everybody, but like contouring and highlighting (laughs) Of that extreme is a drag queen technique. Like, it's girls in drag makeup. The Instagram brow that's, like, boxy and create. Like, we didn't... That's so drag. Leave it to the ladies in drag. Don't, Leave it to the ladies in drag. Don't, don't do that to yourself. It's so unnecessary. And every person that sits in my chair that's of a certain age group is like, can you contour my nose? Well, why do, why do you think your nose needs to be contoured? Because right. everyone Where else does, does it. From? Yeah, because everybody else is doing it. Because the Kardashians are doing it. Because Mario is making millions off of his teaching lessons of how to contour people. It's like, not everybody's face needs to be contoured the same way. I don't have much of a forehead. There's no sense in me contouring my forehead. I don't have the space. You don't need to contour your nose. If I, I contour your nose, it's going to look longer. Is that what you want? And they're like, oh, oh. no, I don't, no I, don't, I don't want that. To, so this whole one size fits all of how to be perfect is just total garbage. Yeah, so it seems to me like there's maybe a little bit of a lack of education on the consumer part, right? We get all these messages from the, you know, all the social media and all of the media that we see and all of the celebrities and the influencers that we follow that obviously have a specific set of features that work for them. Right. That they try to enhance or, you know, just, just make more desirable in some way. Yeah. Uh, and then we get on that bandwagon as consumers and we want to all look the same, but... Listen, I tripped down that path too. I get sucked in. I just had to audit my Instagram following, like who I follow on Instagram. Because oh, yeah. there came a point where I've started to follow these people for inspiration and to be uplifted and to feel really good. And I just felt like shit. Hey, that's a big moment. That's awesome. Because I'm like, I'm just like, I don't feel inspired. I feel horrible because I'm just comparing myself now. And that's so unhealthy. And, you know, I'm of a certain age. I'm not, you know, 17, 18 years old. I can't imagine what an unsophisticated young, like a, a younger woman, like does she have that realization that I'm just comparing myself to other people? No, of course not. Because it's that age. Right. So, but if I can get stuck in the trap, being very aware of the beauty business of the industry of influencers of how it all works behind the scenes. Oh yeah. We are all at risk. 
Thank you. Yeah, yes. we are all at risk. So edit your feed. I will say that okay. you are the boss of your content consumption. This is true. Go delete that shit. If it's some, and there are YouTubers that do makeup that I absolutely adore. I adore some really right, awesome. Right, because they're super entertaining. They're super they entertaining. They're really or... funny. I like, I just, I like, they're just, they're just really cool. And then there's others that I can't stand and there's others that make me feel like crap about myself. So I just need to audit what I'm consuming because I don't need to look at this. I don't need to feel badly. Yeah. So and that's that, my tip and how to handle Well, that's great. I mean, th- this leaves me thinking about a lot of things from a marketing perspective, uh, especially in the context of, you know, bringing technology to, um, to influence in a different way. Um, so, you know, sort of back to my question before, um, you know, is there a trend in the, you know, influencing beauty standards that's coming from an audience that may not be that sort of mass market consumption that, you know, millennial audience that, you know, everybody's after right now. Um, is there sort of a, a wave or like a, some sort of receding moment that where women like us, women of a certain age, men, other groups Mm -hmm. are sort of using their voice to Mm -hmm. demand different, uh, different products and different treatment or different images and media. And I feel like there's a little bit of that happening like whether or not. I can give you an example of that happening. Go. (laughs) So good. And I don't want to, I don't want to rain on anyone's parade and I've picked on Tarte once and I'm going to pick on them again, but they launched the Shape Tape Foundation because the Shape Tape Concealer did so well. And it is a lovely concealer. Shape Tape, shape as in contour, tape as in tighten and basically change like the whole construct of your face. It is nice to to highlight and contour with it, but the foundation launched, the Shape Tape Foundation, and it had like maybe 10 shades. Mm-hmm. And they were like whitest of white girl to white girl with a tan. Right. And that's where the range stopped. And everyone was like, hold on a minute. This is not inclusive for everyone. This is clearly, where's the other half of this? Right. This is insulting. Was like, did the you concealer not... available in more shades? Yes. Okay. The foundation was not. So they set the bar and then they, went, they brought a product to market without considering the totality. Yeah. And you don't bring up foundation line to market with that few number of shades it was just like a bad judgment and their response was we rushed to market mm-hmm. okay oh did you all right well, i want to do some research on that that yeah, sounds like a great just, case study I, yeah i don't know i don't know so not to pick on them but that was everyone got was quite vocal in the community at large about the misstep of them launching such a exclusive shade range. I'm glad to hear it because mm-hmm. I believe that it is when brands start to listen to the voice of their consumers, when brands start meeting consumers where they are, yep. uh, where true innovation and where really avant-garde implementation and, and, and use of technology will, will really have uh, a lasting effect and be really well received. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that people have a voice and some brands are listening. And this is why you should hire Caroline. Ugh. She can do all these things. I could do all these things. She can do all these things. All by myself. And not just the... Look at my tricks. Not just the makeup trends, but a lot of the other... Um, I don't know. Even like Botox and filler and... Some of these things that everyone's kind of doing on the low, not really talking about. There's a lot of like... 
um, there's a whole list of A-list celebrities who are like swearing that off, not going to do it. That's just true. Just don't want to get into that. That's very true. Um, I mean, you mentioned um, Helen Mirren. I do is... believe Helen Mirren was one of those people. Um, I think you said Pink might have been one. Yeah, of I know them. Pink is like really totally into anti being the whole completely right. natural. Right. Uh, Julianne Moore. Right. Um, I think Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep. Um, I mean, there's just some women. Um, I think also Julia Roberts may not do. That sounds right. Mm-hmm. Yep. She looks incredible. Looks incredible. Um, Emma Thompson, who, oh, you know, is, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. British, Scottish. Yep. Yeah. Oh, my she's, gosh. She's we're, really pretty. We're really hypothi- hy- hypothesizing here, but there is a. I think you're right. There is a movement of of actresses and women who are influencers in their own way, um, not participating in any of those things. And I, I mean, I'm for that. I mean, I think on the one hand, the if you like it, I love it, and if that's not something that you're into, I support your decision to abstain from that silliness. On the one hand, these are women who have means and are at a certain point in their career where like what do they have left to prove and I know that sounds really ridiculous but now I feel like they can they're at a point in their career where Mm -hmm. they can embrace that whereas people like me who are working next to people that are 22 and 23 years old are constantly judged I'm constantly judged by how I look constantly in in your in your job specifically. Specifically, because my, my face is my kind of like, that's my business, yeah, right? Yeah, so, I would venture to say that i probably also judged by how I look all the time, too. But I can imagine that in your world, like it's... But, th- listen, I'm in a very saturated market. Yes. I'm, I'm working next to kids who are good at what they do. Right. And they're going to look at this girl, whoever they are, prospective clients, and it's like, yeah, but she doesn't look that way anymore. She's kind of... Mm. You know, old. plus the fact that my face is all over my content. We have a vlog, right? Social media, like, right? I see my my. <laughs> I think I have a face for podcasts, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. But I see my face all the time, and I'm editing myself literally in video, and I'm like, mm. am I at a place in my career where I can safely embrace that? The answer is, if I want to be, yes, I am. The reality is, I'm too damn vain. I'm just too vain. I'm just too vain to let it go. And I'm not apologizing for that. No, you shouldn't. You You are who you are. And that's okay. Right. I mean, I'm the same. I don't leave the house without makeup on. Right. I already said that. I went public with it in that (laughs) cosmetics industry (laughs) article. And it just is what it is. Right. You know, you just want to present your best foot forward at all times when you can. And be, you know, put together and look a certain way, um, but that's our own personal standards. Totally. I, I, I don't know that I we necessarily have a mainstream look, if you will. Right. No, um, I would say no. <laughs> that, would say that would be a no. No. That's, that's a hard no. That's a pass for me. Right. That's a no for me, dog. I mean, <laughs> there is there is an element of vanity for sure. There's also yeah. an element of expression that totally. I think is... For, you know, for me, at least it's constructive. So the irony there is that I'm perfectly... I leave the house without makeup on all the time. I have makeupless days, and I think I bask in that shit. All I right. love it. Now, my, my business, partner, business partner, Rachel Wantrop, she says... And she never leaves the house without makeup on, ever. 
Um, and she's a professional makeup artist. You shouldn't leave the house without makeup on. You should be, she's right. You, you need to be your brand. You need to showcase yourself. Who's going to hire the makeup artist who's not wearing makeup? Like that's a little ridiculous. But the one thing that she said to me that changed, uh, or that was impactful to me was she's like, my makeup always fits me. Mm, So like my makeup always looks like if my clothes don't fit, I don't feel good in that. My makeup looks great. And that's what like pulls that. me together. And my I makeup like, oh, always fits me. That's a really good point, Rach. Hmm, mm-hmm. So shout out job, to her for that. Man. I can't take credit for it. Yeah. So so just to wrap it up here, let's just talk about maybe just like a summary of beauty standards um, from our perspective. I'll go first. I, you know, it's, it's difficult to imagine a world where there is no influence from brands that have, you know, pretty much bottomless pits of cash as budgets to, you know, push product down our throats. Um, however, I think that I see a movement of brands starting to listen to what consumers want, meeting customers where they are. And, you know, for me, that's where the, the real new competitive space will be. That's yeah. where the new definition of beauty standards is going to be. Um, that's where it's starting to manifest itself, and that's where I hope that young women who are growing up today um, have the opportunity to play. And you know, as as my as my responsibility and and being the change that I want to see is, you know, I'm gonna wear my hair the way I want to wear it. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And um, you know, I I will always be respectful, but um, I think you know being part of that change movement um, is a definition of beauty in itself. Absolutely. That yeah. is the beautiful part. Yeah. That's where the beauty is, where the change is. Thanks. You don't get, you know, like, butterflies aren't born the way they are. This is true. You know? Yeah. Parting so. words from you, doll? Um, just keep doing your thing, people. <laughs> you do you. Don't let, well, first of all, as I said, be sure to cultivate what you consume in terms of your content and all that stuff don't take anything too seriously if you want Botox get it if you don't that's fine you don't have to contour your face every day you can go out without makeup if you feel like it like it's okay just meditate instead yeah and reach out to my girl Megan for any sort of personalized um lessons on Makeup for all occasions. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I also do free uh, skincare consultations via email, too. So I'm a, I'm a, all you have to do is email me, and I will answer your questions. I might even get you a buying guide if you – I can get you a little shopping list put together. Also, Rachel and I have a, um, a blog. If you visit flirtbeautycompany.com, click on the blog. There's a host of useful makeup and skincare tips and tricks and just re- product reviews and all kinds of stuff that we really like, so – Redefining the beauty standards. Check it out, people. Yes. And then meanwhile, if there's any topics you guys want to hear us girls talk about, hit us up on the Twitter at GlossOverPod, at GlossOverPod. And um, I think that's it for today's episode, right? That's it, people. All right. Catch you later. The end. Okay, bye. Thank you for listening. Have a topic you'd like us to gloss over? Hit us up on Twitter at GlossOverPod and find us on the web at thevoicescollection.com slash GlossOverPod.